Jesus came. Well, it is about that time where we start to feel a little frantic. It is that time of year, it is that time in the season where Christmas is so near and there is still so much that is left to do and this is a busy time. The season of Advent was supposed to be a time where we had a chance to get ready. But now we are under two weeks before the big day will come and there are decorations still to place and there are packages still to wrap and there are cards that are still needing to be signed and sent and ready or not, Christmas Day will arrive. Are you prepared for Christmas? I will admit that we're not. With all the things that are taking place in our life these days, we have not even opened the closet that has the boxes for the decorations. And strangely enough, those decorations that normally bring us so much joy are causing us a lot of stress because they haven't been put up. But that's not my question. My question isn't about trees and it isn't about tinsel, as nice as those things are. My question is, are you ready for Christmas? Are you prepared for the birth of the Christ child? Are, are you prepared for, for once again in this season? We've been asking that, that, that God would break in, but, but have we done any preparations in our heart to actually let Him? Paul in Philippians chapter 4, I think, gives us a formula. I think he, he gives us some help in, in how we might ready ourselves for, for God to break into our lives. I, I want to invite you this morning to just... At first, listen closely to the words that Paul writes to the church at Philippi in chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. I want you just to hear these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. an amazing piece of Scripture. I wonder if, if we might read it together. I wonder if you'd read it with me and, and, and hear these words as you speak them. Would you, would you read it with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think in these words, Paul gives us this, this, this comprehensive formula to find peace and joy all year round, but especially at Christmas. A peace that, that transcends the, the busyness of the time. And it transcends understanding. So, so I want in our, 
our moments that we have left in our worship time today for us to, to think about this, this formula of Paul and how it might be that we could better incorporate that in our own lives to bring joy and peace in this Advent season. Let's, let's tear it apart a little bit. Begin with rejoice in the Lord always. Christmas is a time for joy, but, but Paul's admonition to rejoice in the Lord always is, is not just a, a Pollyanna idea of uh, that the world is perfect and everything is fine and we all want to be people who rejoice. I, I, we need to be reminded that Paul writes this. He writes this in prison. Paul's writing these words while he's in prison. In effect, he's actually on death row. He's waiting to see, is he going to die or, or is he going to live? And then he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. It puts some things in perspective, doesn't it? Paul has this amazing spirit. He's, he's shipwrecked three times. He's stoned with real rocks thrown at him. He's got five times he's been severely whipped. He, he has been beaten many times. He, he, he's had various the focus of, of death threats that have been upon him. One, one time he was even bit by a snake. And yet these experiences don't take away his joy. He writes, rejoice in the Lord always. It's obvious from Paul's example that that joy doesn't mean that everything is going to go your way. Joy doesn't mean that, that um, you're going to have every desire in your life. Joy doesn't mean that you get this enormous haul of goodies under the Christmas tree. Joy doesn't mean fame or prosperity. Um, certainly we watch all kinds of famous people who don't seem to have real joy. Joy comes from the inner assurance that no matter what I go through, no matter what takes place in this temporary world, the assurance God is with me. I know that's a difficult concept for some. Especially at Christmas. There are people who are out there who, who, who are people who, who, um, who are less than jolly, let's say. There are persons who, who don't have really the ability to laugh or even to rejoice. They, they might not be real misers, but they do have the spirit of Scrooge in them. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe the Grinch who stole Christmas. Sometimes things in life make people afraid, afraid to trust others afraid to trust themselves, even afraid to trust God. Dr. Raymond Moody put it this way in his book, Laugh After Laugh. says, it is well to recognize that some persons are, are actually fearful of joy, elation, or pleasure, or other usually positive emotional states. And many of these people, being joyful causes them to have feelings of guilt, shame, and unworthiness. That's sad, isn't it? to be fearful of joy, to feel unworthy of, of experiencing happiness. And unfortunately, I think such feelings sometimes have crept into the lives of some followers of Jesus. There are some followers of Jesus that you spend time with, and you hear much more about the fear of the world than the God who is breaking into the world. When people spend time with us, what do they hear? Do, do they hear more the fear of the world or do they hear about the God who is breaking in? The story is told of the missionaries who went to Africa and uh, met this tribal group in Africa. They saved them, brought them to Christ, and, and they explained to them, now we're going to baptize you. And after you're baptized, here's the rule. You can't do your tribal dances anymore. You can't dance after you're baptized. So they go ahead and, and go through that. And, and yet the tribes that lived around these this, this group that, that found salvation, they named these folks. 
they had a tribal name, but, but they had a new name. From then on, they were known, literally, they were known as the people who gave up dancing. That's how they were described. Oh, you know, the people two hills over, down by the tree, the people who gave up dancing. How sad is it that a life of following Jesus is known by what we give up rather than what we gain? We need to be reminded that our, our Puritan forefathers and mothers banned the celebration of Christmas. They thought it was too frivolous and too pagan. There are people who are afraid to be happy. There are people who struggle that if they have joy, they must be doing something wrong. They nurture their fears and their resentments and their hurts, and they shut themselves off from others, and they just wish they could live on an island protected, and they cannot experience the joy of Christmas because they do not let Christ set them free. If there was ever a time for dancing, it's at Christmas. The Lord of all the heavens and earth came as a tiny babe. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Next, Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. It's an interesting thought. Advent and Christmas are times of gentleness, of course, unless you're going to the mall. I don't know if, you've, if you catch these news stories, news stories about people fighting over Christmas gifts, people trampling over, over each other to get to the, the cheap strain of lights or whatever happens to be uh, the bargain of the day. This avalanche of shoppers. It, it's hard to be gentle in the Christmas shopping world. I read about two uh, women a couple days ago, two nicely dressed women who were out on, on Black Friday and they were standing in line and they're waiting um, you know, to get in. And, and there was one lady and, and the, the second lady was a, a lady from the south, a, a southern lady. And, and uh, the first lady, kind of a little bit smug in her talking, but, but uh, they got to talking about Christmas and Christmas has gone by. And the first lady said, oh, you know, my first Christmas with my husband, he built me a house. And the southern lady said, well, bless your heart. And then the first lady said, well, then the second Christmas with my husband, he bought me a new car. Oh, the southern lady said, well, bless your heart. The third Christmas my husband and I had together, he bought me a diamond bracelet. The southern lady said, you can guess it, bless your heart. Finally, the conversation came around and the first woman asked, well, do you remember your first Christmas with your husband? Uh, yes, I do, she said. And, well, do you remember what he got you? And she said, well, he, he sent me to charm school. And the first woman was amazed and said, charm school? What, what, would you, what would you need that for? And she says, well, you learn all kinds of things in charm school. Oh, things like, oh, for example, instead of saying, who gives a darn? You say things like, well, bless your heart. Gentleness is something difficult for us, no matter what the season is, but especially in this season, no matter where we are from, this season is a reminder that we need to step back and reflect. We don't often talk about or think about the gentleness of God. We think of God's power. We think of, we think of God's holiness. But how often do we think of God's gentleness? Yet the same God who created the heavens and earth became one of us, a child. The Lord is near. He emptied himself, as we sang earlier, and he took on human form, even the form of a tiny babe. How hard it is sometimes to comprehend. 
Monday night, I took my mom to the Oak Ridge Boys Christmas concert in Spokane as her Christmas present. And we had a great time. It was a great concert and lots of fun, and uh, they sang lots of fun Christmas songs. But there, there was one that, that especially, uh, it's one you know, but it especially caught my attention this year. Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new, that the child that you delivered would soon deliver you? It's the last two lines of the song that particularly caught my attention this year. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. The gentleness of a God who breaks in. That's part of the magic of Christmas. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, Paul writes. Uh, Pastor Kobe's been setting up his office this week. He's, you know, he's here, but he's not, you know, he doesn't start till tomorrow. So don't ask him anything. Don't ask him to do anything, nothing like that. But, but uh, he's been saying, he's been, uh, he didn't even tell me to say that. So um, uh, he's been setting up his office this week, and, and on his walls, he's got some mementos of his trip to Israel. And uh, I've always wanted to go to Israel at some point, and I loved our conversation this week. We were talking about it in your office, and he's pointing things out, looking at the temple. And, and, and uh, one of the things that, that he said was, one of the tough parts, this was just kind of a side of the conversation, is to walk through the neighborhoods, and you want to be friendly with these Palestinian kids. But sometimes they'd rather spit on you than talk to you. And it was a reminder to me a story that I'd heard about a soldier in the Israeli army. He was... He was out on patrol in, 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 a, uh, in an occupied uh, Palestine, and, and he felt a, a rock strike his back, and then he felt a second rock. And he turned around with his gun, ready to fire, and it was a group of kids. And they're just throwing rocks at him. And, I mean, what's he going to do? He's not going to fire live ammunition into kids, but he, he knew they, they couldn't continue to throw the rocks either, and he wasn't sure what to do. And, and he had this idea. He was inspired. He, he bent down on the ground, and he grabbed three rocks, and he started to juggle. He's juggling the rocks that they are throwing at him. And the kids stopped throwing, and they were mesmerized. They forgot about the rocks. They, they watched him do a, a few tricks, and, and uh, the kids were laughing by then. And then he did a grand finale, and the kids applauded, and the soldier took a bow, and, and they went on their way. But you know, that story could have had a different ending. And in fact, we've seen confrontations that have all kinds of of different endings. But it doesn't have to be that way. Let the gentleness of Christ, let the gentleness of Christ transform our anger into laughter and our hatred into love. I think that's the kind of gentleness that Paul is talking about. You want to look like Jesus, then you've got to look like somebody who loves in gentle ways. And then he writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. No wonder Paul could rejoice, even while he's waiting in prison, to find out whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. No wonder that people who, who oppressed him and abused him and beat him and said all kinds of vile things to him, no wonder he could be a person of such magnificent Gentleness. He had learned life's secret. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present yourself to God. 
Henry Frost was a missionary to China, and he was going through a difficult time in his life. And he wrote, later in his life, he wrote this in his journal. He said, I'd received sad news from home, deep shadows that covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. And then I went to an island station and saw on the wall of the mission home these words. Just two words, he said. Try Thanksgiving. And he said, in that moment, it was like the Spirit just spoke to me. And the darkness was gone. Try Thanksgiving. You ever gone through that, those moments? I know you have. You've gone through those moments when your spirit is difficult. And you just want to give up. Have you tried giving thanks? Even in the midst of a difficult time. See, Paul's just not blowing smoke here. He's giving opportunities for how, how the church really can be the church. How God wants to give you success. Even in the difficult places, find ways to offer Him thanks. It's easy to be thankful at Christmas. We have so much. Santa will bring us something nice, and the stores are uh, filled with symbols of material affluence, but sometimes, sometimes material affluence only masks spiritual poverty, the grasp, the grasp that we reach out towards those things we can touch sometimes reminds us that we are poor in those areas that we cannot touch. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's a little girl born in 1880 in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Her name was Helen Keller. She was born into a world that was dark, without sight, without hearing, and without the ability to speak. We can only imagine how dark the world was for this little girl. And yet it is one of the success stories of the ages where Helen Keller comes out of, comes out of darkness and... and um, Never, though, she sees with her physical eyes the, the sun that we see, and never does she hear with her, her ears the things that we hear. She, she lived a rich and, and radiant life. For example, did you know that, that Helen Keller uh, graduated from Radcliffe College, cum laude? Even more amazing, through the course of her life, she became friends with kings and presidents and some of the most powerful and influential people around the globe. When her teacher, Ann Sullivan, had taught her enough where she could understand ideas and concepts, and she taught her about God and she taught her about Jesus, uh, Helen would respond later, I always knew there was a God, I just didn't know his name. Helen Keller had few of the physical blessings that you and I enjoy, but I want you to listen to what she said. She wrote an essay about Christmas. It's titled, The Christmas Legend. She writes this, a legend tells that when Jesus was born and the sun danced in the sky, the aged trees straightened themselves and put leaves and sent forth the fragrance of blossoms one more. These are symbols of what takes place in our hearts when the Christ child is born anew each year. Blessed by the Christmas sunshine, our nature, perhaps long leafless, brings forth new love, kindness, new mercy, and compassion. Do you think that you might be able to be that kind of thankful if you were a person who was deaf, blind, and unable to speak? 
Helen Keller knew with joy that few people who have those gifts ever attain. She learned to lay aside every anxiety and in every situation by prayer and petition to give thanks to the God who created her. Oh, how we need to be a people that in the midst of our stuff and in the midst of our places recognize the God of grace. It seems to me that in recent days that the world has seen far too much fear from Christians and not nearly enough joy. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas ought to be the time that we dance. Christmas ought to be when hope and peace and joy ring out of our actions and our attitudes and our life Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And, and, and there is where, where Paul gives us this promise of God and the peace of God. Peace of God that transcends all understanding or anything that we know about peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what I need this Christmas. That's how I need God to break in. And it begins with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Transcends all understanding will break into my heart and to yours. For joy to the world, the Lord has come. My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses, she said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. 
frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. Father, we come as a people who, who want to reflect your joy in our lives. And the good news really is this joy unspeakable. And we give thanks. We give thanks for your grace. We give thanks for you breaking in. We give thanks, God, that you are not the one who leaves us alone, but you are always with us. And so, Lord, on this third Sunday of Advent, on this theme of joy, we want to be a people who, who, along with the church at Philippi, hear, hear the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Father, may that not just be a scripture that we read this week, but may it be, may it be the direction of our heart. May it be how we live, how we treat each other, and who we are. May we be changed. May your peace break in on us. May we be people who do not reflect fear, but reflect hope. For joy to the world, the Lord has come. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.